Hi everybody, my name is Kit Rackley, my pronouns are they, them, or she, her, and this is Coffee and Geography. Yay! Yes, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> Welcome to Coffee and Geography, where my guests and I geek out about the world and everything on it, discovering that we are all geographers in some way, shape or form. I'm your host, Kit, and my pronouns are they, them, or she, her. So settle down with a brew, hit that subscribe or follow button, and enjoy the listen. This podcast is sponsored by the World Energy and Meteorology Council, or WEMSI for short. WEMSI is an international organisation focused on weather and climate data to support energy transition, and we also work with educators. WEMSI have created Teal, an easy-to-use free visualisation tool that enables you to explore climate variables for the past 70-plus years. Get started at tealtool.earth. Find us at wemcouncil.org and follow us on Twitter at wemcouncil. Hi, everybody. It's For me, it's the day after the wonderful GA conference, the Geographical Association uh, annual conference, which is a conference for geography teachers, uh, academics, exhibitors, students, trainee teachers. Um, it is always a wonderful event. And of course, this time it's the first time um, since 2019 that it's been able to be held in person. So I took the opportunity of grabbing my mobile podcast and recording equipment um, and doing a bit of recording for you all. So just to let you know, for those of folks who don't know, the Geographical Association is one of the leading associations for geography educators here in the UK and they hold this conference every single year. And um, yeah, I just, I had no structure to what I did. Um, so I hope you have think that this is was organic as some of my usual chats um and i hope you enjoy the listen alan we're just about to start your uh, presidential lecture how, you, how are you feeling i'm feeling great kit i've been looking forward to this obviously for the last three years <laughs> and finally here we had a lovely uh, dinner last night where this is some people say that this marks the start of the conference in a way because it's the president in the way opening the, the conference but then of course we've had uh, the public lecture yesterday with professor james cheshire we've already had one everybody's already had one session uh, so this is technically the second session but uh, what, what 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 does the presidential lecture like kind of bring to the ga conference what what is its aim what what are you aiming to to uh, communicate in this one so originally the the lecture was actually the first thing the president did it was their first day of their presidency pretty much was the lecture and they set out their their agenda for their presidential year. Uh, but this was a time when the president was uh, had a little bit more of an influence on the GA's direction before the GA was professionalised. Uh, and then the, president, the conference then moved to April when they introduced bank holidays over the New Year period. So actually now it's more of a, I guess, a celebration of the president's own journey and their own views. I, I've, I've read every previous presidential lecture that's been <laughs> that's in print or has been recorded in some way amazing um, so what you are the 106th president <laughs> wow of the ga <laughs> yeah uh and so i'm going to talk about some of those previous presidents yeah uh the journey that i've been on to get here thank quite a lot of people um, <laughs> and also i guess think about the geography of the everyday yeah as well as the fact that we do geography every day which is the theme of the conference which is, which every, is the everyday theme geography. Of the conference. Yeah. And, and everyone's taken to that really well 
Um, we're actually going to start today by uh, giving out an honorary membership as well, which uh, we did last night, but the recipient but <laughs> yes. wasn't there to collect it. So <laughs> we're going to correct that. Uh, these six, the six reprobates in the row there are my my department at school, so they've all oh, come in on right. mass to support me, which is great as okay. well. And before I let you finish your prepared, I just wanted one question to ask you. Look, looking around the lecture theatre, we're here, you know, people are dropping in. After two years of being online, where we haven't been networking with each other and things like that, when you look into this room now and you see all of us geographers getting together, how does it make you feel? Yeah, it's fantastic just to be back again after, as you say, three years without a conference face-to-face. It's going to be fantastic. I, uh, I see there's a few gaps, which is a bit disappointing. I want it rammed. Well, yeah, well, obviously, there are other sessions going on, aren't they? So there there's, are, co- there's re- competition. I'll refer to that yeah, at the start and say, if you were expecting to see Andy Fennell, then yep. I'm, not, I'm not him. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, because the sessions run in parallel. So, you know, and there's, there's sometimes there's another four or five sessions going on. So, so I think this is not a bad turnout, to be honest, Alan. Bear in mind that you're in competition with another, say, Absolutely. four or five and sessions. There's still five minutes still to go. Still five minutes to go. Right. Thanks, Kit. Thank you. Um, I'm just joining the Dr. Becky Kitchen, also of the GA. So just just quickly tell everybody what your role is with the GA. Uh, so I'm head of professional development. Um, so um, one of the things that uh, yeah I work with Isabel to um, to create what you see before you. That's part of my role. And since we've only got a couple of seconds before Alan starts, I'm just going to ask you one question okay. and the same question I asked to Alan. Looking around, how does it make you feel to have us all back in person? Again? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's just it's it's so lovely. Um, and I think I think what's what's really lovely is that we've got so many people on, online as well, and it, it feels it feels really um, yeah, just just lovely that we can see people in person, but also we know that there are people there as well um, online joining us. It's yeah, it's fantastic. The presidential lecture to be given by our GA president Alan Parkinson. My name is Alice Rose. I'm the current vice president. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Here's the structure for the lecture. Uh, it's basically all about me. Uh, <laughs> you know, as Wendell Berry said, uh, to do unto those downstream, have those upstream do unto you. The idea of a confluence. <laughs> a group of geographers is a confluence. We flow together, and that gives more energy and power to the group. And each of us brings that little bit of extra effort when we move together. So, thank you very much. Thank you for supporting the GA this day. Hello, Sarah Larson. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So uh, we've just we've just enjoyed uh, Alan's Alan Parks's presidential lecture about everyday geographies. Mm-hmm. So what was your what was your uh, favourite bit? We t- I mean, those rocks that you just everybody who can't obviously can't see. The first picture Alan put on there was a series of stones or rocks, which is a picture in his bedroom that he's been zooming from. <laughs> it did look quite familiar. I couldn't quite think where I'd seen it, and then he's obviously alluded to the fact that that was his his uh, his back screen for quite some time. Yeah, <laughs> no, fantastic. Um, I could listen to Alan all day, to be honest. Um, he's got some locations in his life that are uh, quite similar to mine. I know that he holidayed in East Yorkshire, and I've had conversations on Twitter with him about that, because that's equally where I've got family, and I know that area very, very well. Um, Within Sea, I know that area well. Hull. So for me, lots of familiar locations, but it is just that every day, isn't it? And getting you to think about what do I see, what do I notice that can impact on my view of the world. Really, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. What I like about kind of these kind of things, as I was just talking to Alan beforehand, is is how we can always make these these connections, whether it's our spatial connections or whether it's um, 
um, you know, our experiences. Mm, mm. And uh, we've uh, Denise has dropped in here. We'll, we'll get we'll get Denise on here in a second. Now she's mouthing no, but it will be a yes. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> now the problem that all of us always have when we come to these things is that when I when I sat down next to you, you were flicking through the GA conference booklet, right? Yeah. And uh, I just want you to kind of like tell everybody who's listening that when you come to conferences like this that have parallel sessions now i've just i've just randomly opened right so for today at two o'clock for example there are one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven there are eleven parallel sessions so we can only go to one of eleven of those it's tough yeah how how do you make a decision which one to go to so after breakfast this morning was when i finally forced myself to make my final decisions um i kind of I have a look through. I star the ones that look interesting. And then from those starred lists, I'll pick my, my final one. I mean, for me, where I'm heading to next is Duncan Hawley's session. And he's my um, PGCE tutor, subject tutor from what is now a quarter of a century ago, 25 <laughs> years ago, uh, since I qualified to teach. Haven't seen him since the last day uh, of, of my course uh, in Swansea University. So for me, that's that's where I'm heading next because I want to actually have a quick conversation with him if I, if I possibly can. But uh, because I've got various roles in what I do, I want to try and cover all bases. So I want to find things that will benefit my ITT students and my delivery of those sessions that I do, along with my class teaching as well of my, of my of the children that I that I still teach. So it's a tough decision, the physical, the human. Um, I'm a human geographer at heart, but then things like volcanoes are jumping out at me off the page and, and I'm going to go for that one as well. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's really hard. It's, it's, it's incredibly hard. Now, the, of course, when you look at these kind of things, you, you, you're in conflict about whether you want to learn something new, you want to refine mm. something that you were doing. Mm-hmm. Or, and, of course, if, if you're doing your own session, then, then you, like when I was doing the one earlier with James Cheshire at 9 o'clock, I was like, oh, but I'm not seeing this one, I'm not seeing this exactly, one. And exactly, exactly, yeah. you can never – and it's both – it's always a problem with conferences that run parallel sessions. It and is, yeah. It's always – it's one of these weird things where it's always both a criticism but also a positive is that there is so much choice. Oh, it's such a rich choice, but yeah. There is you cannot see everything. And of course what the GA does encourage everyone to do is to is to put the everybody put their presentations, give their presentations there so people can at least catch up with them. Yeah. And yeah. I guess because this one is hybrid, so we've got you know, there's all these ones with the Wi Fi signal and they're being beamed out as mm. well. I guess we can access them later with recordings. I, would, I so. hope so. I really hope so, actually, because, yeah. yeah, there's so many clashes on there. Yeah, no, that'd be really good, actually. Got the rest of the Easter holidays. Absolutely, Catch yeah. Catch up. <laughs> that's what we tend to do. We get back from the from the yeah. GA conference in Easter, and then we that's what we're doing. Well, some of us are on that our second week, so I haven't got huge amounts of time left, but um, absolutely. No, that's the plan, definitely. I'm going to I'm gonna pass the mic to Denise. Here she is. Uh, so now I'm joined by Denise Freeman, someone I've known for a long time. Uh, how are you doing, Jeanette? How are oh, you doing, Denise? I'm all right. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So um, now something that I, I mean, we've worked with each other for quite a while now, you know, because you're from a school in the uh, in North East London. North East London. That's right. Yeah. I love, you know, I love the way that you've been working. You know, you lead a, a collaboration of teachers in that part of, of the country uh, and a network and stuff like that. But I got a bit of a shock yesterday. <laughs> right. And this, this is this is everybody listening. This, this is amazing. So. We sat here during the award ceremony, and what they always do is that they announce the next president of the GA. And to my lovely, <laughs> pleasant surprise, announced as the, as the next GA president after Alistair Owens will be yourself. It will. 20, 23, 24? Yes, which just sounds a long time away, doesn't it? it? Does. No, that, that's better. <laughs> Keep it a distance. I'm feeling totally terrified, having seen Alan's amazing lecture just now. I'm, I'm just... 
I've got two years to get to there. Yeah, well... <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I personally feel it's very, very well deserved. Thank you. Um, and I, I know that you're going to you're going to do you're going to do a great job. But you're also going to bring a very unique perspective. I feel, uh, as Alan said during his lecture, you know there has been very, very few uh, female GA presidents, but also there's been very even fewer female teaching presidents. And you will be the first female teaching president from a state school. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, exactly. I just need to. And there's a lot of people, I've had a lot of support, a lot of people contacting me since the announcement, et cetera, and saying that that's, that's really important to them. So I just need to yes. reach out and find out what can I do to represent those voices as well as I possibly can. That's absolutely fantastic. So um, now, Denise, you usually present at these conferences. Are you doing one this year or I not this year? I am. Susan Pike and I are doing a session tomorrow, a workshop at two o'clock. Two o'clock. We're talking about transitions between primary, secondary, tertiary, geography, and the links between them all. That sounds pretty amazing, and uh, because of my uh, my day job with the University of Sangley, that's one that I might be earmarking to come and visit because we, we do a lot of transition uh, work. Okay, so, excellent, fantastic. Uh, supporting schools with transition. Well, thanks for uh, joining me. No, no, no. Thank you very much. Thank you, <laughs> and ever enjoy the conference. Thank you. So I am at the University of Surrey um, in Guildford, and um, here is the location of the Geographical Association Conference 2022. Um, and I'm walking down the kind of main uh, like corridor arboretum lovely big windows looking out there are people having their lunch this is like day two well day one technically of, of all the presentations of the conference but day two in terms of activity taking place just walking past the registration desk there's big registration desk loads of badges i've got the ga staff waving at me and yeah so we've got a registration desk where people can pick up their badges and you've got some ga lanyards just walking down here is the famous uh, canvas bag um, where you've got the Geographical Association logo on it. And in each of these bags, these goodie bags, so to speak, you've got a conference of the, the conference. You've got a few flyers for some of the exhibitors here. Always got a pen. And something that's really interesting, actually, which I think my kids in particular are going to love, is a seed bomb. So there's every, single, every one of these bags has got a seed bomb in it where you basically you throw it and you kind of just water it and then see what happens, see what it grows. Um, that's a nice little addition. I kind of like that. That's... Um, something new uh, that they haven't had in previous conferences. So now as I walk down here and I turn right into what looks like a sports hall, I come into one of the exhibiting areas. And there's a lot of faces that I recognize here. Um, and we've got folks from different universities, uh, from exam boards, from publishers. So we've got, I can see we've got Britannica here. We've got um, tour guides. So Easy Tours, they do school tours and stuff for the school groups, Rayborn Tours, who are here every single year, even if it's virtually, so they're, they're regulars here. Um, who else have we got? University of Kent, the British Cartography Society, so I'm going to see if I can grab a few words with these folks a bit later. Um, Oxford University Press, who do a lot of uh, textbooks and stuff for, for students. Uh, but I'm just going to make my way to a store that's really close to my heart, because it's the Ornate Survey. Which, uh, and for those folks who don't know who the Ornt Survey are, they are the, the authority of mapping in here in um, the United Kingdom. So you've got, uh, well, when you think of maps, um, the Ornt Survey produced those wonderful, amazing, detailed maps of the country at all scales. But they also do a lot of educational stuff, like uh, Digimap for Schools. Um, and Laura. So hi, hi, Laura. Laura Minos. So how is, how's your conference going? How's your ex exhibition going? 
Good, thank you. Yes, I'm here supporting the the folks at U, uh, the OS um, with anything, but it's uh, any questions they have about our mapping service, Digimap for Schools. Digimap for Schools, and that's it's such a wonderful thing, and it's it's something I used a lot when I was a, t- a teacher. Um, just describe to people uh, listening, like uh, what is Digimap for Schools, and how does it use the amazing, incredible resource that the Ordnance Survey is. Uh, Digimap for Schools is a resource that the EDINA team at the University of Edinburgh developed uh, alongside the OS and it's an online mapping tool which allows teachers to access a a wealth of resources, uh, lots of online mapping, fantastic OS mapping You've got uh, at different scales. You've got also access to aerial mapping, which is aerial and aerial X, which is aerial mapping with. Um, That's with like tags. the streets and the things exactly. all over, the labels all overlaid, the aerial foot, uh, aerial satellite imagery. Yeah, exactly. So they got the roads and and everything, and also you've got access to historical maps. Uh, you've got access to 1890s. Yeah, 1890s. <laughs> Yes. 1890s and 1950s. So it's this is great to, you know, if you want to do some historical comparisons, if, especially like coastal changes, how yeah. did a play how has a place changed over time? Um yeah, so what else we've got fantastic overlays as well. We've got uh, new additions. We've got uh, climate overlays as well. Yeah, climate one. So, and I'll tell everybody about the webinars in a moment. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, we've got uh, different human and physical geography um, overlays, such as population density, volcanoes, which has been like a massive success. Yeah. Everybody loves the volcanoes ones. Um, tectonics. Especially, you know, if you if you combine them with um, volcanoes and mountain ranges as well, that's another overlay. So you can give like a very complete um, insight of like why there is you know that amount of population density around a volcano or around a mountain range. Yeah, range. So you can spot those geographical patterns and connections. Exactly. And it's I keep telling people. I mean, people keep thinking I get paid. By Ordnance Survey or Dina to talk about Digimap for Schools because I promote it so much. I've never, everybody, I've never been paid a single penny. But what I do do is I'm a big advocate of of Digimap for Schools because, you know, it is it is an incredible for what you. I can't. Well, Darren Bailey, your colleague Darren Bailey, who Uh couldn't couldn't be here today, but Darren, um, who is who's been with Adina and OS for a long, long time and comes to these conferences quite often in the past. I think he said to me, Kit, if if you were to get all of this yourself licensed mm-hmm. printing licenses all that kind of stuff all the data license whatever it is the ways to get out of it no kidding me you are getting access to like over i think you, I, I must darren you're getting constantly and correct me if i'm wrong but over three million pounds worth of 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 data and information and resources and you and then schools will just get that for a tiny so was it 100 i mean what, what is the cost of the registration for i think now is 104 for uh, primary schools mm-hmm. and 164 for secondary and old schools. We've got information in our website. We offer a free 30-day trial to new school for new schools, eligible schools. Yeah. So if you go to our website, you have full access to the GMAT for schools. Yeah. So let's let's just quickly talk about the webinars then. So this is what I what I've been involved with. So. So uh, the, the the payment you do give me is you give me access to the platforms and I'm able to create educational resources and webinars for you. But you have a fantastic YouTube channel where 
you get folks like myself and other people who take take educators through how you could use Digimap for schools. And so I've done one about how you can map a walk, how you can um, use the climate change overlays. But yeah, give us a couple of other examples of other webinars that you've got. So uh, our YouTube channel is a great way to um, gain a little bit more of understanding of what we do with Digimap for schools. Uh, from day one, you can access those resources for free, um, and these are resources and training sessions and webinars that they've been developed by experts uh, with the teaching community in mind. Um, so we've got monthly tra uh, training sessions. Um, you can watch the previous recordings on the, the YouTube channel as well. Uh, we are doing more topical webinars. For instance, on the 27th of April, we're doing one on fieldwork with Alan Parkinson. Uh, we've got another um, getting started with the Digimap for Schools session at the end of at the end of April as well. So all the information is our in our website. We also organize teach meets, uh, virtual teach meets, and the latest one was with uh, Judy Clark and Katia Petty, and it was about so the title was one platform multiple journeys. And what is very interesting about this uh, teach meet event is like you can see their journeys using Digimap for Schools, like people who are starting to to be like, you know, geography leaders and stuff, they can they can they can watch these webinars and they can watch other people's journeys and and you know take what resonates with them and apply them um, to their school's curriculums for instance. Um the good thing is like Digimap for Schools, like you can get in touch with us at any time. Any questions you have, will you know, get in touch with us. Um, ask us questions. We're very happy to help. Tell everybody. So, what is the web address then? So, so we will finish off with the web address. So, the web address is digimapforschools.edina, e d i n a. dot a c. dot e u k. The word for, not the number for. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Digimap for yeah, because our social media is Digimap for with a number. So there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you so much thank for talking to so me, Laura, and uh, enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you, you too. So where you've got exhibitors there, of course, you've got with these geography teachers and academics who are kind of giving talks about the work they do, what they've learned, trying to get some feedback about how they can improve it and, and things like that. You also get plenty of educators that come and try and think a bit outside the box or, or, or push things a bit further and stretch people outside their comfort zone and everything like that and uh, one thing which has been happening quite uh, increasingly a lot and especially um, in this conference was student voice and listening from students themselves and uh, my wonderful friend and previous Coffee and Geography podcast guest uh, Hina Robinson brought some students along and gave a lecture about their everyday perspectives and exploring their everyday lives, which will then help them to go further into looking at how they can make a difference in the wider world, being able to debate about things. And this is where, at secondary school, I felt a little bit, well, felt stupid, as I said earlier. I couldn't contribute to things that people discussing at all. You know, I things that were happening even locally, because I didn't know about them, because my parents didn't discuss them. As a parent now... My children are 9 and 13. I talk about world issues with them all the time. Everything that happens in the world that's a, you know, a new story, they know about, even if it's at a very basic level. Because I didn't have that as a child, and I think I missed out, uh, because it did help shape what I thought about the world. Um, 
Tom is an ex-student of mine. Um, he's in year 12 currently. I taught him last year. And he's going to talk about the place as he sees uh, where he lives. Um, and he's going to talk about it from the perspective of being a 16, 17-year-old white male. Once Tom's spoken, because we could change the mics over, I'm going to pass over to Vani Ishika, who are year 10 students, uh, who are going to talk about their experience as um, Indian teenagers of the places that they live. And you'll be able to see quite a clear difference in some of the things that they've experienced. Thank you, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. I'm um, from a town called Lee and Sea on Essex. Um, so, today... Um, just briefly, I'm going to talk to you about my connections to my town's geography and history. Uh, I'm going to address some of the uh, perceptions that uh, I have of my town, being a teenage boy, and then also so how some people may have uh, as adults. And then finally, we will suggest some considerations for geography teachers or just that. So now contrast it to this. And this is personally what hits most as a teenage boy today. And a lot of my peers also share. This just directs that headline. <coughs> Old Lee, parents must check kids for knives in gang culture fight. I think that's such a contrast to what we previously, previously saw as the happiest place to live in the UK. Now, as an adult, that might be the case. But personally, as a teenage boy, in my position, walking back from the beach in the summer, I certainly no longer feel um, like it's the happiest place. As a teenage boy, now this idyllic seaside town no longer feels the same. Personally, been impacted as long as, as long with a lot of my peers, and my perspective of my hometown, as old as, I, as I've got older. Church Park is a park near my home. It's, it's around 10 minutes away, um, walking distance. I often feel safe here. Um, I go here in the morning for a run. <laughs> we go for walks here, play in the playground. Um, have picnics. My, my younger brother learned how to ride a bike here, um, so I definitely feel safe here. But later in the day, this park is considered unsafe. Um, I'm not allowed to go here alone, and when it's dark, um, you see broken glass, again, people drinking and smoking, and I feel that, again, because of my identity, I'm vulnerable to discrimination. Additionally, sometimes like geography teachers assume us to know about the history and the geography of like UK, but some people may not originally be from here, so they might not be educated on the topics, which is why like teachers like focus and start from the start. Thank you for listening. It's things like that um, that spark memories of. Uh... A few years ago, uh, a young 14-year-old, Maya Rose Craig, or Bird Girl, as she's better known as, um, coming to the GA conference to uh, to give her one of her very first lectures, and now she's doing amazing stuff in her 20s um, as an environmental activist and, and promoting um, equality, diversity, and inclusion. Um, so having students and young people coming to conferences is, is always a highlight for me. Each year there's also a keynote lecture and uh, this year was an offering from Depot Foloyan which was um, about his newly published book Africa is Not a Country and this book is a kaleidoscopic portrait of modern Africa that pushes back against harmful stereotypes of the continent and tells a more comprehensive story that celebrates the energy and fabric of its different cultures and communities. After setting the ground rules at the Berlin Conference, what is known as the scramble for Africa began. 
it was time for the colonial powers to decide what what. It was time for them to design countries. Countries that had previously never existed. Now, how would you design a country? If you were ever given the opportunity, let's say 200 million people said to you, said to Alan, we want you to design our country. We want you to design a series of countries. How would you do it? What are the first things you would think about? Perhaps you would consider which people speak the same languages. Perhaps you'd consider who worship the same gods. Perhaps you would consider the geography of the region. You think about mountains and streams and rivers. Perhaps you would consider the history. Perhaps you would consider which ethnic groups had a tendency to go to war with certain ethnic groups. And you would think, maybe we should keep them apart. Perhaps you would think all those things. But unfortunately, that's not what concerned the colonial powers. Their interest was to see what they could extract from the continent, what they could take for themselves. Um, do you have any recommendations? Uh, there's, there's one that I'd recommend everybody listen to, for example, BBC uh, World Service Digital Planet. They, they do a lot of stories in many African countries, talking to the actual people there about the, like, the amazing work, technology that they're running and the community projects that they're running. Do you have any recommendations of people we can listen to, groups, podcasts, um, where we hear the voices themselves about what we can get a real sense of what this rich, diverse continent and what they're doing there? Do you have any recommendations for us? Yeah, certainly. Um, there is a brilliant podcast called It's a Continent um, that's uh, describes the history of the of individual countries. Um, I think that's a really, really great resource. Um, there are lots of, uh, there's another magazine called The Public that really breaks into um, the, the, both the history but also the present of, of West Africa. Um, and, but also there, there are lots of, for sort of, you know, popular culture and I encourage you know, listening to everything, to, from Afrobeats to, to Nollywood to, you know, you get that information all across so many different platforms, um, both academic but also in, in popular culture. Um, so, yeah, there, 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 there is a, a good range. So the J Conference is not just about um, lectures and presentations, uh, currently sitting in a workshop, so um, a workshop is where people get to go and they have a go at practical activities, maybe there's a, a lesson resource or something that's been produced and there's a bit of having a go with it um, or discussion around a certain thing, so the current one I'm at at the moment is um, workshop 42, Everyday Geographies of Hurricanes Critiquing Powerful Knowledge, and it's all about looking at um, Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and why that's um, been an issue of of geopolitics, of colonialization, and you know why just teaching it as a plain and simple causes effects case study is not just bad geography, but it also undermines um, indigenous knowledge there. It also ignores the kind of other aspects that goes through it, and and it's just it's just incredible that we've got a bunch of teachers here. I mean, in this room, I can see one, two, three. I can see about 
25 teachers here, so 25 schools, the tens and tens of, of children that they, they teach going through this process, and it's absolutely wonderful to see. And yes, of course, I have to get on in the act and run some workshops myself, like this one with Professor James Cheshire about educational resources for Atlas of the Invisible. Atlas is, if you want to look at a, a map of, say, Antarctica, uh, it wouldn't necessarily have that wider viewpoint. In fact, I, in any Atlas I've seen, I've only ever seen one page with polar projections where they've got the Antarctic almost and the Arctic, and that's it. So, but, and I've, has anyone seen a, like, an Atlas that you get for schools where they've actually got a, a, a projection which centres on like wraps around an ocean like you've seen last night, because I've got that one ocean projection. That's unique, isn't it? So I guess that's, that's that right. Thanks, Emma. Um, I guess the Australian maps tend to have, because they have the Pacific in the yes. middle. So, yes, yeah. so you've seen Pacific-centred maps. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, folks, what do you think? We were, yeah, we were talking a lot about the lack of diversity of projections, but also the fact that they're often ones that have been like, flattened to fit in a map. So again, yeah. size understanding of size and movement and how that might impact and then having to do political discussions on top of that you can't get students can't get that the same way because they look at atlas go but this country's huge and you go well actually we're trying to get understandings of africa from what it looks like on an atlas a lot of the time yeah and i, I used to try and get year sevens to eat their vitamin c because i used to bring a bunch of oranges to their, their, their atlas because <laughs> what i used to do i used to say right here's a here's a um here's a mark pen between two or three of you Roughly sketch on the world on it, and I said, it Must be possible they've done it that way. I want a rectangular map of the world, please. And they're going like that, and you know, so yeah, it's impossible. So, so that's just don't really give you that diverse. I mean, there's probably one spread about projections, but it doesn't really give you that diversity of, of projection. Whereas, I don't think any two projections are the same. In. There's probably uh, a couple, but. If you, well, finish this, but I can tell you why that's happening. Yeah, that's going to be the next bit about what, what, what went into the reason for it. Okay, um, you folks here, what were you discussing? One thing? We were late. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we have carbon life forms, aren't we? Um, but we also see carbon in the trees, and we also see the carbon that goes into buildings through concrete, but maybe not something that's always considered on a daily basis. It may be this, us as geographers who walk past trees and say, oh, thank you, tree, for taking in a bit of carbon dioxide today to help us out. But we probably rarely um, go past or sit in this building, which is predominantly made of concrete, and think, oh, my goodness, how much carbon dioxide is in this roof just here? But we may be able to work that out a little bit today. Um, so this is about trying to provide two practical activities today to use with students to develop their thinking about carbon in every day, even if they don't always see it. And what we want to do is have a go with those activities and then also think a little bit about the questions that we would use to give meaning to the activity. Um, some of the activities are quite simple to do. I mean, actually, you can just run into a single lesson. But actually, what do you do with that to actually sit it within the wider um, concepts of learning? So, yeah, but I find that shocking, you know, like it takes 22 years for an oak tree to grow to cover your dishwasher for a year. Yeah, so of course it wouldn't be a geography teachers conference without any talk about carbon, climate change, or geographical information systems. What the impact of that? So, so bringing that kind of personalisation forward is, is great, um, and and that's hopefully what what we'll be able to do with these resources that we're going to kind of look at today is see that how can we use these to really bring climate change like right onto our doorsteps, right into the lives of um, our students. I am here with David Morgan and 
Dr. Katie Hall from Esri UK. Um, I've just presented a sort of co-presented, well, I have supported David <laughs> in this session with regards to uh, their lovely climate change resources. Um, yeah, so Katie, you were, you were supporting us and cheering us on from the back. How do, how do you think we, uh, we did? How oh, do you think David did? <laughs> what a question to ask. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I was really, um, for me personally, actually, it was really lovely to see the story of why these resources came about um, told so beautifully by David. Um, because actually a lot of this took place while I was uh, away on maternity leave. And so it's sort of nice to see how they kind of quite organically grew um, sort of out of those contacts that we've made with folks that are holding the data and what a wealth of data they've got, but also um, kind of, you know, needing to make that accessible to students and teachers so that they can start to put it into their own context. So uh, I personally was loving kind of seeing that explanation of why we'd made this and why it looks the way it does um, kind of unfold in front of me. And also for me with the climate change, the real sort of big issue that I grapple with uh, and sort of young people that, that I know and, and work with do is is that anxiety and that that sense of doom like is it already too late and actually being able to put those kind of uh, scenarios up on the board there and see that yep there's some aspects now that are baked in and that is a little bit scary but it's still all to play for in terms of that kind of you know catastrophic looking change that actually we we have time but we need to start acting now to be able to make that difference so that that was great for me to see I've got a third thing actually as well that I could kind of feel resonating with some of the people sitting with me as well where when we're talking about heat waves and you know it's that kind of uh, it's the older vulnerable population that are, that are at risk and just that reminder that when we're looking at that in the context of those predictions it's your students in that classroom right now that are going to be those older people that this is the future that they will be living in you know we're all going to get old and we're all going to be in that vulnerable group whether we're there now or not um, and I just felt that was quite powerful as a way of really bringing that back into that personal lived experience kind of context again. Yeah and so the, the 2040-2069 scenario where we're pretty much sort of, sort of set into um, you know a certain range of climate change and, and global warming in particular you know that's 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 our our future that's you know my if I if I if I live to see and I, I always joke if I if I live to see uh you know 2069 when there's uh, first contact when the Vulcans come absolutely and visit we just had Montana. that anniversary day exactly Very important. first Star Trek first contact you know then then I will that is my future that is when I will be in the elderly and the vulnerable category but my children hopefully you know if they live to at least their life expectancy they will be here you know as grandparents maybe great-grandparents by the year 2100 is their future. So when you tweak around and have a look at these maps, you can see that, okay, our future is going to get more uncomfortable. How are we going to adapt to that? But our children's future is still, as you said, in the balance and all to play for, and we can still make a giant change. And the thing that is, was fantastic about this, this, um, this, this session was a prime example of what this conference does really, really well, and that it was a collaboration because you've got you folks from Esri UK, uh, you've got myself coming from the, the, the teaching profession point of view, and we've collaborated to, to make this resource, and we're here presenting it, and one of the things we're getting the, the, the participants and the teachers to do is to go away, look at it, see how they can implement it, they, how they can adapt it, and then feed that back to us. And that's one of the best things about conferences such as this, is that it's not just 
us presenting to other people or people just talking one way. It's always a two-way conversation. And with those collaborations, it's like as David showed in the presentations, like those overlapping Venn diagrams of, of collaborators. And I, I just that's what I love about conferences Absolutely. like this. Absolutely. And I think it's something that as a team, we're always kind of striving. We're really lucky that the Met Office Learn team were able to work with us and kind of make this data available to us. Um, but, you know sort of any relevant geography topic where there's this data element and this data visualization element that makes it really crucial in terms of communicating to students you know that's very much where we see that we've got this contribution to make to the geography teacher community to make it understandable and you know relevant and timely and interesting for their students absolutely and uh just, just say hi. Just say hi, Dave. Just to prove to everybody that you're here. I'm actually here in yeah. real life. Really here. Just trying to fix a bit of the website that didn't work yeah. um, and work out why. Why did I break that? Um, which I think we might have done. And that's that's the other thing about conferences. No conferences is complete without the odd technical difficulty here and there. Nothing ever runs smoothly, <laughs> does it? No. Until you want to show it to people in real life. Yep. Um, that's the point. Let's work it this morning. <laughs> Well, thank you both for uh, your time and for the collab. And I'm looking forward to continuing the collaboration with you. So, thank you for joining me. Yeah, fabulous. Thank you, Kit. So, one of the highlights of the conference that many people argue is the Teach Meet. Um, and I am here with the Compare every single year, without fail, for many years now of the Geographic Association's conference Teach Meet. David Rogers, how are you doing, David? I'm very good, Kit. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. And this is something that. So many people always look forward to year after year after year. It's casual, it's informal, it's a laugh, it's snappy. Just for people listening who have no idea what a Teach Meet is, just explain what it is. So a Teach Meet is essentially an informal gathering um, to share simple ideas that work in the classroom. So not about promoting products or a particular style of teaching. And it's to inspire people and give them some, something that they can use on the Monday back in the classroom or just set their... Minds are light, so they can go searching for extra inspiration. So, um, when you when you look um, when you look around on this, then I mean, how, how many people we got here? I don't know about a hundred. Yeah, around that. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's streamed online as well, so we'll have yep. a few more. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, and uh, you uh, you had a beer in your hand, so I, that's the kind I, of informal nature. Beer. Absolutely. Yeah, it has to be. Um, I put it down somewhere, so <laughs> I'll find it. Well, thanks, David. I hope it goes well. Thank you very much. Um, and welcome to uh, Teach Me. I think we we're trying to work out what the first one was for the GA, and I think we, it was 2015 um, in Manchester. Um, and so, welcome. And the idea of today are, is an informal opportunity um, to share ideas to take back into the classroom. Uh, and it's stories, and I call it stories because one narrative is very powerful uh, and useful in trying to remember things. Um, but also, um, it might have worked somewhere, it doesn't work everywhere, and actually just by telling stories of simple ideas, we can share those. And I believe that great uh, geography teachers... Now, rather than putting any clips from the Teach Me in, uh, I'll put the link in the description because it is a publicly accessible uh, link because uh, it was live streamed by Richard Alloway from Geography All The Way. And I strongly, strongly recommend you you take a look at that, that link in the Teach Me, especially Iram Samir's contribution. Wow, that was amazing. And another contributor we unfortunately didn't get to hear with for two reasons. One, because he couldn't make it to the GA um, conference. So Alistair Hamill, the wonderful Alistair Hamill, who you heard a couple of episodes ago, couldn't be there physically. And the technology failed us. So we couldn't actually hear his uh, Teach Meet recording. So what I'm going to do is just play you a minute from Alistair's Teach Meet contribution 
which is now put up on YouTube. And I also strongly recommend that you give that a watch as well. Teach Meets, absolutely amazing. You know, we've still got a long way to go, of course. But it is one of my greatest privileges and honours as a geography teacher, as a teacher in the town that I work in in Lurgan. My everyday experience there is to be involved in something called shared education, where I get the opportunity to bring together Protestant, Catholic, Nationalist, Unionist young people from both sides of a very divided town where they don't get the chance to meet. Their everyday geographies keep them separate in their own little parts of the town. Well, we don't go there, we just stay up here. And I give them the chance to meet. I give them a chance to get to know each other and the stereotypes come down and the friendships are built and peace, peace is being made. Okay, it may not attract the headlines, you may not hear much about it outside of what we're doing, but the difference it's making in their lives is profound. We're sending them off on a different trajectory than otherwise would have been the case. Hi folks, a chance for you to recharge your brew, but also a polite prod to remind you that it's so easy to support this podcast. Simply liking, sharing, rating and reviewing means that it will get on more people's radar. Also, there are a few links down in the description which may be of mutual benefit. Please do check them out. how you can centre communities in your classroom and connect stories through that. Um, so just a run through for our session today. First, we're going to start off with a Mentimeter that we'll speak to you through afterwards. And then we're going to introduce the Voices Project resource that we've been creating. Think about including everyday voices within your classroom through everyday geographies. Thinking about how you can make the Voices Project matter in your classroom. So you're going to hear some oral geographies throughout today's session. And we're going to ask you to think about how you can maybe... If you recognise this voice here, this is the voice of Akira Williams, who I spoke to last season, along with Chantal Mayo-Holloway, about the Voices Project. And it is an absolute delight to see Akira and Chantal finally present their hard work of the Voices Project to the GA conference and get a very positive response. Tom, you can see it at the back as well, it's a bit closer, like in terms of me, I had to turn around and watch that yesterday. Um, so yeah, get yourself on there and then just tell us a little bit, which voices do you hear from in your everyday typical geography lesson? So who is it that maybe dominates in your classroom? Who do you represent in terms of your resources? Yeah, so who do you hear from? And then we'll move it on in a minute to what extent do the following things happen in your typical lessons? Okay. Hello, Kit. Hello, Kat Poe. Really Hi. lovely to see you. Nice so, to see you too. In the flesh. In the flesh, yes. Yeah. So uh, we, one thing I've alluded to a lot of things, and we've been talking to other people, is, is just being able to get together again, you know, and, um, and which has been lovely. And we're here in a, in a session, so we're... So I thought we'd do a little bit of a, a chat while a session's going on. And we're at the uh, the Voices Project that. Voices Project session with Akira Williams and Chantelle Mayer-Holloway. And my podcast listeners, regular ones, should re- recognise them because we had a chat last season. So we're here and they're doing their Voices Project. How, um, how are you finding the conference as a delegate so far? How am I finding... As a delegate. As a delegate? Yes. As a delegate, someone who's listening. 
No, as a delegate delica- who's taking part in the conference, who's, who's ah, going to all the sessions. This is what you can tell this is my first conference. Um, ah. I am loving it. I think um, being part of the decolonizing group and seeing everyone in the flesh has just been incredible. Um, I'm so happy that I'm here as part of a group and being able to see everyone have conversations in real life and just have that sort of energetic flow that you just can't get through Zoom and so relieved that it's like translated into real life Um, and just so inspired and especially I feel so excited to be in this room right now and think the Voices Project and everything that they've done I'm so overwhelmingly impressed and just I can't wait to use yeah um, I can't wait to use these resources in my class I'm already thinking about you know where would this fit in with certain units and can I like can we collaborate with history and RE and create some sort of humanities based like voice project in our own school and I don't know I'm even thinking about some, some of the students I would love to hear like what their voices and you know yeah I'm just really inspired right now it's really great it's one thing that's always hit me when I come to conferences like this is you get so overwhelmed with ideas and <laughs> potential and possibilities that you get you get back it we all feel so energized not just because of what we learn but also from who we see and who we speak to that we get back to the classroom and quite a lot of it does seem to go by the, goes out the window. <laughs> but if you can implement one thing from a conference I feel that's a success and I think the connect you know the connect too but now you said this is your first conference as a delegate how no, I know a delegate what no, that you know is now, delegate thank is, you. Everybody. But that's, no, it's good for podcast listeners because they might not know what the <laughs> yeah. word delegate is as well. Uh, come on, ex-teacher, you should make sure no. that, that your audience... You should have checked my prior knowledge. Exactly. I can tell you haven't been in naughty, teaching for a naughty. while. And this is not getting edited out because I own my mistakes and I own my... <laughs> um, so what, as a first-timer, um, first two questions I want to ask you. One is when you hear about teachers and everything doing these kind of things, do you feel like, I want to get in on that, I can't wait to get in on that? Or, or what, 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 what does it feel like as someone? Hmm, okay. You know, should I be a part of this? Am I missing out? FOMO? Oh, okay. There's, there, there's actually, there's a mix of emotions. And I think it's like overcoming the initial, oh man, everyone's doing so well. And like <laughs> everyone's doing so much better than I'm doing. And obviously I'm a very new teacher. This is, I'm, I'm an ECT. Um, Early and so, career teacher. So yes. it's my turn to. Okay, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Early career teacher. So I'm still new to it all. Um, but I have to say, yeah, I, I had that initial wow, everyone's doing so much and everyone knows a lot. But then I, I think I'm very quick to overcome and sort of say, actually keep open and be like, wow, well, there's so much to learn. And actually, I don't feel insecure because when I talk to other teachers, they're as excited to hear my opinions. And yeah. it, it doesn't, I can't tell you how relieved and also happy I am that the, the flow of um, conversation and respect feels so mutual. Um, and I was talking to Lauren Hammond the other day about that in terms, and she said a beautiful quote about something about love and teaching is always has to always be mutual. Yes. And I yeah. really feel it's the lovely. mutual respect and the mutual learning between us all. And I don't feel like anyone's, I don't feel that there's any hierarchy being asserted. I feel like there are permeable borders and we're on an equal standing, despite the fact that some people have 30 years of teaching and I have very little. Yeah. So yeah, I really, yeah. really love that. And this is, and, I, and I'd, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. One of the things I look forward to the conference is not necessarily the sessions, it's not learning new things, it's just seeing people again. And, and folks, I'll tell you, I have given probably the most hugs in 24 hours I could <laughs> potentially give with consent, because some people are still not hugging, yeah. which is fine. Um, and like with, when I just bumped into Akira at the start of this session, I think that I, I just I said to Chantel, I, I hope I can't let go. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's how it's... I, but, 
I am looking. I'm looking forward to uh, Alice Hoy's LGBT session. The only LGBT session I'm seen so far. So okay. I'm very much looking forward to that. That's at five o'clock today. Yes. So it's so, uh, like r- bringing the rainbow into the classroom, something like that. Casting a rainbow at the end, the very last session of the conference, exactly as it should be. You end the conference with the rainbow. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely subscribe to that. Well, Kat, thank you for talking to me no and uh, giving us your insight, and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. Goodbye. Just very, very quick word with some of the tech team here. Josh, um, nice to meet you. Yes, thank you. You too. <laughs> first ever hybrid conference for the GA for the Geographical Association. Yeah, just very quickly, just before we get back onto the presentation, in 30 seconds, what's your job? What, what's involved? How's it been going so far? Um, so my job is to uh, want to live stream us. So there's free, we're running free streams simultaneously uh, at the GA today, uh, which is very cool. And... Um, uh, and it's all going uh, rather smoothly because, like, we've just had a pandemic, so like, uh, lots of streamers have had to do this for many things. So, like, uh, really, the perfect moment to, for the GA to start doing this because uh, uh, we know what we're doing, and uh, and they, I guess, they've seen what other uh, associations have done yeah. uh, with hybrids, and uh, it's all working very smoothly. I think. Yeah, thanks. And I just want to pass on a message because we've on Twitter and everything, we've got a lot of messages from geography teachers and educators who can't make it for various reasons, perhaps the health reasons, travel costs, whatever it is. Uh, and it's all been very, very positive. So Brilliant. on Brilliant. behalf of everybody and our colleagues who are at home watching or whatever, thank you so much for your efforts and all of your technical know-how and for keeping things running smoothly. Right. No problem. No problem. It's very fun. It's very fun. Thank you. <laughs> like this cannot run without student workers and student helpers. So we have two students here from the University of Surrey. So we have Sabrina and we have Anna. So Sabrina and Anna, oh, what, what subject are you studying? So I study nutrition and dietetics in my final year. Anna? Uh, I study pediatric nursing in my second year. Awesome. Yeah, and thank you all of you and your team for helping us out. So you're, you're ushering people around, make sure they find the rooms. Uh, that there's an orderly fashion going in there. What other things have you, have you been doing, Anna, to help people out? Uh, so I've been helping out the catering team so that makes sure everybody gets their lunch. I also help out with the IT side of things. Yeah, very important. Yeah. <laughs> so if like, the sound's not working, monitor's not working, and then we also monitor the chat um, in the Zoom sessions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, because it's the first time that this conference is, is hybrid, so it's in-person and online. And I know... So uh, thank you so much on behalf of those online for all that effort because it's keeping them included. Um, and, so, and so it's And the best thing about this is, of course, is that you get paid. Uh, I know for the University of Stangley, there's a student worker system where you sign up for shifts for certain things. So the last thing I'm just going to ask you, why this conference? I mean, you can say it was just I need a bit of pocket money. But what, why did you sign up to do a shift at a conference? I've really enjoyed it so far. And I think it's a really good opportunity for us to work in events like conferences and get a bit of experience we, we've had a lot of customer service experiences haven't yeah. we? so um you know dealing with perhaps a little bit of conflict or um just yeah showing people around is just all a good experience and of course the money helps too yeah yeah there's no, <laughs> so, no yeah. harm in saying thank you so much both and just thank you for all your efforts and keep up the great work Iram Samad, um you have had such a Fantastic contribution to this conference uh, already. I've, one of the things I'm going to be remembering in this, the GA conference 2022, is your wonderful contributions. You're so passionate, and I just want to get you onto the the podcast just to talk about how you've been finding the experience. You can, what have you found really encouraging? What are the things would you still like to see? Um, I think this is the first time I've actually experienced um, the GA like 
conference in my, in my life. So it was a really nice experience. And it was really encouraging that the decolonizing collective was here yeah. too. And because um, obviously, you know, I'm just going to get straight into this. When you're, you know, someone like me who's, you know, visibly looks Muslim, Pakistani, brown skin, you can feel quite intimidated in like a predominantly white space. And to um, actually be in a space like this and then be able to have a voice, I thought that was quite, I felt really good and empowered. So I was able to sort of, um, I, mean, I didn't mean to, but if I did make people feel uncomfortable, it was only for uh, progressing with this idea of decolonizing and yes. anti-racism. Because I think a, an element of it is to start thinking about how we've always taught geography. Because being a former geography teacher... Uh, I, I just know what it's like to sort of conform to the curriculum, conform mm. to everything that we have to do as a geography teacher to just get it right for the kids, for their exams. Yeah. But then there's another geography, isn't there? There's the decolonial geography, what I call the real geography, where you have to speak um, about, you know, you have to look at your classroom as well and look at the heritages within your classroom. Are they uh, responding to what you're saying? Are, are their geographies being represented in the curriculum? And also, if you look at our geography textbooks, um, one of my, um, uh, well, I did a little short little bit for um, Teach Me. Yes. And in that, I kind of talked about my blog. And in that blog, I have an encounter with a student. And she's from, uh, like, she has a Somalian um, heritage. And she's, she excite, she's so excited. She looks through the textbook, excited that it's going to be one of the case studies. And then her face drops when she sees the images. Mm, and yeah, for me, yeah. that's powerful knowledge. Yes. Because... The result of powerful knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. She does not... Um, all of a sudden, she's not engaging with geography anymore. And she rejects the textbook and drops it or flings it towards me. And I have to quite, kind of switch back to what I used to be like when I was 15. And then I think, hang on a minute, this happened to me too. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. So then I think back and I say, okay, I remember when my teacher first said, Pakistan is a LEDC. And then I remember just saying, sir, my country my country's not an LEDC. And the images that you have on the board, that doesn't represent the people of Pakistan. Does that make sense? Because we've got a certain neoliberal narrative going on here in geography a very colonial we're still stuck in colonialism and the beauty of decolonizing and anti-racism is that we kind of unsettle that thinking and we think about the historical context of all of our case studies and i think that's a beautiful thing and even if you have to get the spec to the students there's no reason why you can't spend 20 minutes of your lesson talking about the historical implication of what you are trying to get them to sort of think about before they do their exams. And I think I think it's been very evident over the last couple of years, like uh, with with the decolonizing geography group. You know, this year and last year, there's been the um, the group have put out like a, a decolonizing pathway. So if you if you, you know if you want to immerse yourself in that, and you know we would strongly recommend that people do, they could follow this this decolonial pathway throughout the conference. And today it's been very very visible, and I've been very pleased to see that the sessions relating to that have been quite well attended. And this one here that we've just listened to about uh, critiquing powerful knowledge and uh, and how we could maybe um, navigate around that by using, say, the hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico, 
I think is a fantastic start and it's giving more and more teachers that feeling of being uncomfortable. And I, I will guarantee you as well, because that's one thing we share is we're both ex-teachers who can now reflect on our practice. And uh, I always think to myself, what are the reasons why I left the teacher profession? And one of the reasons why I left the teacher profession is because I was uncomfortable with the things I was teaching with. And, but because of the syllabus, because of the spec, because of the exam board uh, requirements, I, it was difficult to navigate around that. So, And then when I did bring in everyday conversations, voices, uh, student voice, or when I did bring in uh, actual voices from the people we're meant to be talking about, I then had to struggle to try and weave that into it. So things are moving. They're moving a little bit slower than I would personally like. Um, and the GA still has to battle a lot of structural issues. There's still a lot, a long way to go. I, but I'm, I don't know how you feel. I'm just the last question I'll ask you. I don't know how you feel. I feel we're on the verge of the tide turning and we're about to get it. We've still got a big uphill battle to go. But I think we're getting to the point where we could be on a tipping point. What do you think? Well, I kind of think that I had a really positive um, sort of experience, and I'm quite a critical. Sorry, no, you're very, so, yeah, very. Yeah, <laughs> you you do a fantastic critique. I feel. Yeah. But you know, I mean, in hindsight, I want to I want to really uh, put this out there. It was a struggle, maybe two years ago, mm. but I think everyone's heading in the right direction because after the teach me. I had such an emotional reaction. Yes, I did it, too. It was very emotional. And and so many um, geography teachers reached out to me and just kind of told me that they really want to um, reflect on some of the discussions that we've had. And that was really nice for me because um, it showed me that all this hard work is not going to waste and it won't go to waste because I think it's really important. Our experiences happened. Yeah. Yeah. Geography happens, and Black Lives Matter, and always have mattered. And children need to talk about their everyday geographies that affect them directly. And I know I'm going to talk from my 15-year-old self here that for me, I love geography. I think it saved my life when I took it, uh, okay. right? Because it made me understand the world I was living in. I had a problem with the curriculum. I had arguments with my teachers, <laughs> like kind arguments, but. In the end, when I became a teacher, I started doing the same things. I started having those same colonial ideals and ideologies. And then when I started thinking a bit more about what my students are feeling and how they're engaging with the curriculum and textbooks, it was something that had to be done. Mm. And I think every teacher that attended the GA has really thought about these important issues now. And I think... I actually am very optimistic about this, and I think there was a there could be a paradigm shift here. Hopefully so. And uh, everybody listening, um, I will put uh, a link in the description to the uh, Teach Me recording. You really do have to listen to that, especially for Iram's contribution, which was absolutely amazing. I got emotional at the end of that. Um, and yeah, yeah, and you yeah, can go to your, my website. And your as website. Well. I was about to ask you to like you plug your website. So for people's uh, blog, your blog is it's called Salam Geographia. Salam Geography. Iram. Um, Always a pleasure to speak to you. I'm not going to take too much more of your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm back in the exhibition uh, hall, everybody, and uh, I've just got one of the exhibitors here. So if you'd like to introduce yourself. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Alan. We're from the British Cartographic Society. I don't think it would be a geography conference without you folks here, really, oh, <laughs> to be honest. You. So <laughs> I am a complete and utter map geek myself. Yes. You've got your colleagues over from the Ordnance Survey over there, yep. and I've done a few webinars with them uh, and everything. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit about 
what's brought you to the conference, how it's gone for you, what kind of conversations you've had. So, yeah, we're, we're basically here to um, obviously promote the British Cardiographic Society to, to teachers, to, to, to the GA, um, and uh, we're trying to build a relationship with both with, with teachers and the resources that we're trying to put together. That's our main aim. It's, it's an awareness thing, and it's just great to be in front of people again, to be honest. Have you, have you had people like me come up to you and go, maps, maps, maps? Yeah, <laughs> people love maps. I mean, and, and particularly geography teachers, I think. Yeah, you know, <laughs> not to put them in one. Yeah, you, know, you don't want stereotype us. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, there's a, an interest in maps, and uh, I mean that's our our passion, I suppose. Yeah. It's, it's being cartographers, both of us here. So, um, how is it? How does it feel now to be coming back to? events like this face-to-face and, and talk to people actually in person? Uh, for me personally, I, I just prefer it. I just find it so much more memorable and obviously engaging. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting to be back in person and um, the, vir- the virtual conferences have been good. Um, but I think for me, I, I, just, I just get so much more out of them when, mm. I'm, when I'm physically here. Yeah, a lot of people are having that same sentiment. Well, thank you very much for your time, and yeah. uh, good luck with the rest of your discussions. Great, thank you. Um, I had to come and speak to this person uh, because I recognise the accent. It's an <laughs> accent from my youth. Uh, so, Katie from Oxford University Press, you're from my hometown of Harlow, oh, or yeah. Arlo, as we say. Harlow, from Harlow. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing. So, that new town, everybody, just outside of London. The dodgy end. The, do- <laughs> <laughs> the, dodgy, ooh, the dodgy end of London. Yeah, but... Um, it's fantastic. So we, you're one of the exhibitors here from Oxford University Press. Uh, of course, the big supplier of textbooks and material resources and stuff for teachers. So, yep. I mean, for, for the people who listen to this who don't know how this process works, you know, why do publishers come to teacher events like this? Well, it's a really good opportunity for us to talk to teachers whilst they're here. You know, they'll go round. We can show them any new material that we've got um, that's coming out. And, you know, teachers are so busy nowadays and they can't always spare that one-to-one time for us to go into yeah. school. So, actually, we can grab them whilst we're here and say hello, put, you know, faces to names and it's great. And and, and they can come and steal your swag as well. Yeah, so exactly. The swag you've got this year, you've got you've got some badges. We've got some badges and, obviously, we've got all our catalogues with us. Catalogs, and we've got yeah. our new, brand new GCSE um, second edition publishing coming out, so... Awesome. Um, lots, lots to show. Yeah, well, thank you. And uh, it's so and you know, you know, actually, we are. There's at least three of us from Harlow here is today. <gasps> yeah, because one of the other delegates, the uh, teachers at Levenfort. Oh, I, I, so I rep uh, one of my territory areas is Hertfordshire. So okay. Levenfort so is Levenford. my school. Oh, Hertfordshire. Yeah, yeah, no, those people up there. Who, no, no, they're those posh <laughs> people up there. So, yeah, we, you can imagine, folks, because Harlow was on um, was like on the border between Essex and Hertfordshire. So, and when I I went to St Luke's Primary School, and um, half half of them went to St Mary's. Oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> up the, in Sawbridge where Bishop's side. And then uh, the other half like went to schools around around uh, Harlow. So, so I, I was a Peterswood girl. Oh, Peterswood back yeah. in the day. I mean, it's not that anymore. And then good <laughs> no, old Stuart. There you go, folks. So <laughs> even at a national conference, you can't keep us Essex folk away. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Kit. Nice to meet you. Coffee and geography veteran, Ellie Barker. Hello. 
How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Good to bump into you. So, so yet another person who's been on the podcast who I'm now seeing face-to-face. And this is the first time we've seen each other face-to-face, I believe. Or is it, I think? No, I think it... Uh, no, I, when I, on my first GA, I saw you for the first time do a poem, oh, I my think, goodness. at Teach Me. And I was like, this this is the geography community. Yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> this is us. Let's, let's, let's take a walk, Kelly. Um, so we're in the exhibit, ex- one of the exhibition halls. So as a teacher, when you come to an exhibition, what, you, what do you look for? What are you trying to get um, out of these exhibits? So we've got exam boards, we've got publishers, uh, so we've got higher education here, we've got field work, field studies council. So what do you get out of this, apart from the swag? Uh, well, this is the first time I've actually been here, and I think it's closing up. <laughs> and I have to. I don't taking a wonder. Yeah. Um, and so I thought I had to come here. It's quite hard, though, when there's so many sessions on. Yes. And so it's, yeah, quite hard. So I actually, I'm in the post-16. I've been also over there, so I've been, like, standing by my own stand. So I haven't been able to make a, a link yep. around here. But I'm, I'm being drawn to the dairy milk here. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I did saw there was some chocolates earlier, so I actually went <laughs> to one. Um, it's I feel nice. like you have to be up for a good conversation. Yeah, so we had, this is this is Educate. Hi, Educate. Uh, and it says here, really good formative, formative assessment. So they are, uh, so if, do you want to say who, what you do, what you are? Uh, so Educate is online self-marking homework setting platform. So you can create customized quizzes. Oh, yeah. Save some of your time doing those things. It can be automated uh, so teachers can be focusing on what they need to. There you go. Um, it's really good to see you again, Ellie. Um, and I'll, I'll let you go and pick up more swag and uh, more Freddos and whatever. And yeah. And, uh, wait, I'm, I'm going to keep mine for the train on the way back. I think. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Good to see you again. I'm here with Shelley Monk from OCR. That's Oxford, Cambridge, and RSA. And uh, one of the fun things that, that you've got at your stall here, the exhibition, are these fantastic, squeezy, stress balls that are shaped like the world. You've got the continents on them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so for everybody listening then, uh, Shelley, so who are OCR? What, what exactly do you do? What, why are you here at a geography teacher's conference? Oh, it's a really good question. We're invited, like all the other exam boards are. And I think for me, it's always because my background is as a geography teacher. So I taught geography for 16 years, joined OCR eight years ago. And I think we had a team of people, we've still got a huge team of people who basically represent the subject community. And so we all come from a wide range of education backgrounds. And it's just an opportunity at this conference this year to reconnect with people. I've loved that. So I think for me, on a personal level, it's you called it earlier, kind of that geography geekery. And I just (laughs) love it's true, talking about all things geography. Um, reconnecting people that have done work within the past, um, talk to people le- less this year, talking to people about assessment. Actually, yeah, it has been. So before, particularly with reform and qualifications, they wanted to know all about, you know, who are OCR? Why do we have GCSEs the way we do? How does the NEA work with us? But this year, it's been more about teaching. So younger teachers coming. This year, it's been more about how field work has worked. We've been talking about... Because of COVID. Because of COVID. Yeah. And also, what does normal look like? Yeah, so, wow. you know, if it's kind of business as usual, our teachers sort of thinking about, are we talking about the specs? Are we talking about what they can manage, actually, at school, yeah. in their classrooms, with their students, with all the parameters and barriers, and how we might work together as examples with the GA and RGS, thinking about how we support teachers with that? And it's a very important role, this liaison role. I mean, and it's great that you as an ex-geography teacher yourself 
are aware of the support that you wanted mm. when you were a teacher from the exam board and, yeah. and, and things like that. And of course, things have been so disrupted recently because yeah. of COVID. And and uh, f- for to disclaim to everybody, so everybody is aware, uh, I am one of OCR's examiners. So what that means, everybody, is that when when the GCSE uh, students here in the UK do their geography exam for the OCR exam specification. I am one of those people who will mark the exams, and it's mm. it's anonymous. You don't know who they are. That you, you go for a standardisation process, so you're all sticking to the mark scheme and stuff like that. But we've not done that for two years, yeah. and it's it's it, we're going through that process again. So yeah, it's I, I suppose I'm not surprised you've been having these mm. different conversations this year. And as you just said about the reforms that took place yeah. a few years ago, yeah. I, I think I remember you being exceptionally busy. Yes. Because that was such a big reform, you know, changing yeah. from GCC letters, A, a star down to G's and U's mm. to nine to one. Yes. Um, and I imagine it's, it's keeping up with all that. It could be quite challenging, I imagine. Well, we're very lucky in that we have a really amazing research team. Um, so we have research team in terms of all things sort of education. So they work within Cambridge University Press and Assessment. Mm-hmm. So we merge with the University Press, which has been really good. And so we've got a big research team as part of the organisation as a whole. And then we have our research and technical standards team at OCR. So when we're having all those nitty gritty conversations using all that data you talked about examining, when we've got all those results in, they are the people that are key, along with our assessment standards team, working out where those grade boundaries will be. So they're going to be, you know, of course, they've been doing a lot of that work with teacher assess grades, centre assess grades. I don't know whether sort of international colleagues will be as familiar with that. Yeah, centre assess basically teachers marking their own, their own exams, basically. Yeah. 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 And I think, mind. yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I think, you know, the reflection has been that that's been a huge workload. Yeah. And, you know, it's understandable. And teachers saying that they feel really rusty, you know, about NEA, around, you know, exams. But actually in a sense nothing's changed in a weird kind of way and I think Ofqual tried to do a bit around demystifying assessment they're the exams regulator yeah now just obviously I need to make sure you know there are other examples here you've got um you've got Pearson LXL you've got AQA you've got yourselves I don't know if they're here Educas yeah I'm not sure if I've seen them here but so just to make make everybody aware that there are other examples and it is it is it is a bit of a commercial market you know there is that that kind of competition between and um and there's been a huge shift one of the things which is great about this conference is you always have kind of like pushes towards changes and and really necessary conversations take place and the last question I'll ask you Shelley I guess is that have you had any any of those conversations where people have come to you and say I think that this should be more represented in the in the the spec or whatever and I know that a lot of these questions should go to off off quote and and you know, the qualifications regulator. Mm. But if you had any of those kind of conversations with people thought, well, this is, I think, how we should be moving forward. I've had a little bit of that. But actually, before the conference, there's been some really interesting, because, of course, we're waiting for information to come from government around sustainability and climate change, which is out this month. I think COP26, being within the UK, has really sort of driven that conversation. I think young people, their voice is much clearer and louder and saying, we really want to know... And I think it's also, there's been some brilliant stuff at the conference about misconceptions, demystifying things that are out there. And I think the big thing that's also been, people have been talking about is decolonising the curriculum, you know, diversity, inclusivity. And I think, you know, so we're calling that generally on our website, People and Planet. So we're having those really in-depth, you know, and really starting to sort of open those conversations up internally and what we want to do within education. So for me, within geography, 
it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the next reform, yes. yeah. what's going to be really key. So I think climate change, sustainability, and I think how we're living our lives more sustainably. Mm. Businesses need, we all need to do that as exam boards. Yeah. You know, paper driven, we're trying to be paperless. Lower carbon. Yes, footprint. all the marking is online now. I remember. I remember yeah. it first starting when it was paper based. Um, but yeah, yeah and, huge and, amounts. And you'll agree with me, Shelley, as, as a geographer, as that we hope that when when the government uh, do do these reforms, they appreciate the fact that sustainability is not just environmental, mm. and it's not just economic; it is social as well. Yes. You know, social justice stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they, they come up with. Shelley, thank you so much for your time. Um, oh, I've taken cool. up too much of your time. And, Lovely uh, talking to you, Kim. This <laughs> has been really enjoyable. Oh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> I am joined by Alice Hoy. Hello, Alice. Hello. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit to this because I was one of those teachers who, like, owns their mistakes. We just actually have a lovely, lovely chat for about two minutes, and I didn't actually press the record button. It was flashing pause. So we're going to do this again, everybody. Right. Okay. First things first. Um, one of the other sessions that take place at the GA conference is something called Teach to Teacher. These are shorter sessions where you get straight to the crux of the idea and you have a bit of a conversation. And you're doing one, Alice, and that is about? Um, finding the rainbow in the geography curriculum, um, looking at LGBTQ plus inclusivity within the classroom and the curriculum, and also looking at how we can steer away from teaching geography from a heteronormative perspective. Um, so yeah, I'll be presenting my research for half an hour, and I'll basically break down really simply what my research was, which I undertook during my PGCE. Yep. I did some textbook reviews. I reviewed an ex ex existing scheme of work on Urban World. I then spoke to four teachers, um, or past teachers, who identified as LGBTQ+, and we had some brilliant discussions on what some of the challenges were, the importance of the research, and some opportunities and solutions. Now, um, Hopefully this afternoon it will be really great to have these conversations and that yeah. people will come to the five o'clock yeah, session. Yeah, five o'clock. I've done that session a <laughs> um, few times. Yeah. But it will be really good, just a simple breakdown to talk yeah. about some of the um, some of the challenges, but also provide some solutions because I think it's really good identifying gaps in the literature and identifying gaps in the curriculum, but also providing some solutions so that we can implement it into our classrooms. Let's do. We are all geographers, so everybody. This is uh, a, a bit of the podcast. Regular listeners will notice where. Um, guests give each other a word to link to geography. Now, what I'm going to do for the conference here, for the end, towards the end of the conference, I've given Alice the choice of four words. We've got here contrast, reverent, discombobulated, and music. So you'll recognize these as reg regular um, um, listeners. But I'd like you to choose one word. I want you to link it to the conference and how you felt about the conference. So which one are you going to go for? I'm going to go for contrast. Contrast. Johanna. So Johanna, that's your word. My ex-student of mine from episode 18 of last season. So... Oh, there you go. Um, so contrast with the GA conference, I've listened to a lot of contrasting view and opinions, and I think it's really important to gain lots of different perspectives and way that we can use these contrasting ideas within the geography classroom. Boom. <laughs> thank you very much, Alice. Thanks. And for the second time. <laughs> but thank I had the pleasure of twice. Uh, thank you so much. All right, thank you. Bye. Hi, Lucy. Lucy, how's it? How are you? I'm great, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so we are now, this is, the penultimate session, I believe. It is, of, yeah, uh, one more left. Yeah, one more left. And, uh, yeah, how have you been finding the conference? I've year? absolutely loved this conference. As I say, I've um, I w attended both the ones online. Um, and as a early teacher, this is only my first year out of NQT. Oh, right. um, and absolutely everyone talked, oh, face-to-face, -face, it's always so much better, so much, so great, and just made me really want to come here. And, yeah, I've loved it. I feel like I've learned so much Um 
got lots of ideas I want to take back to my department. I came here by myself and really welcoming, so I've loved it, yeah. Yeah, and actually, uh, that's a really good point you make because um, you have actually attended some of my online sessions. Like yeah. we, we call them CPD, which is career professional development or something like continuous yeah. professional development. I'm starting to lose all the terms. Um, and yeah, so it's really interesting. So you've been involved in those. You were you came to the, you came to the quote unquote GA conference online, of course. Yeah. And now I know you're here for the very first time, so which is amazing. Um, so I've got to set you a challenge now, mm-hmm. right? Because it's called towards the end of the conference. At the end of each podcast, you usually do the the word challenge, the wheel geographers challenge. And uh, I already actually gave you a, a card with a word on it, didn't I? A bit earlier, which you was did. plants. The word was plants. So what I'm going to ask you to do is this. Perhaps this is a bit challenging for this one, is that instead of just linking it to geography in general, is like, can you weave in the word plants to something about the conference? Maybe it's a session Actually, you would do. Yeah, I, I was quite happy when I got this word plants because I went to a talk earlier on today and literally we had the speaker, um, Dr. Verity Jones. Um, and aside from her, there was myself and literally two other people in the room. Sometimes it happens um, that way, yep. But it was incredible because I think it was this idea um, that, children um these days don't really have a lot of identity um to do with plants then maybe they don't know what the word acorn is for example um and she was suggesting that through her research part of this is because in our narrative of climate change um we talk about global warming we talk about the problems um, happening to animals polar bears in particular um, plastics with turtles these are the ideas that children have in their head but they don't see the importance of plants and how plants might be changing with the climate change mm. and she was kind of mentioning that we maybe need to see more of this in our media more of this in their um, books there was this phrase that I'd never heard of before I love it it was called cli-fi so climate yes. fiction yes. and I was like I'm all on board with this um but yeah this ownership of actually us as geography teachers we need to be mentioning that plants are the food we eat plants are the clothes that we wear plants help create our weather they help protect us during flooding like and it's making them aware of the importance of plants in the everyday yeah, you said cli-fi, right? And actually, Andy uh, does his own podcast called The Great Derelicts, which is a sci-fi podcast. Oh, cool. And, okay. uh, and actually, we did uh, a whole topic about talking about cli-fi. Awesome. So I thought I'd give Andy another shout out there. So Andy, I can't believe it, but we've managed to give you a non-quote-unquote, not geography teacher, non-geography, a shout out at a geography teacher's conference. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so people, do listen to Andy's one. Uh, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, and the other thing, of course, with plants, as you were mentioning... We've been had a couple of guests. We've, of course, have talked about, you know, the, the importance of those. And I was thinking about what you just said. And I was, I was thinking about my own garden. Yes. And my we're lucky enough to have enough trees in our fruit trees in our garden to call sure. it call it an orchard. Really amazing, amazing. Um, and we've noticed that the, the blossom on those trees have come out really early okay. because of the very warm weather that we've had in the east of England, particularly in March. And then that really kind of cold snap came back. Yes, yeah. And a lot of people are saying that how it seems to have thrown a lot of things out of whack and they're worried that a lot of these, this, a lot of the blossom on some of these trees might have actually got damaged oh, because, shame, of, because, yeah. of the, because of the intense cold that came in through and things like that. So, um, yes, it's, you're absolutely spot on to make that, note, make that point. So thank you for that wonderful connection to uh, Yeah, I to, thought I'd just shout conference. out a talk that not many people managed to attend but i think it's important to think about yeah. it so yeah so thank you for joining me lucy thank and you for uh, safe me. travel homes you too <laughs>
Isabel Richardson. Hello. I think you've been a pivotal part in organising this, this first hybrid conference. So thank you so much for all your hard work. And we're coming towards the end of it now. How are you feeling? Really pleased. Yeah. Um, we've got some really good feedback from everybody. And the the hybrid part of it is new to us, but it's it's working really well as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, and I've, I've spoken to um, some of the tech team, um, I've spoken to some of the stewards, some of the student workers, and it's just, just to get a sense of how, what a big operation this really has been, and of course, and then and I can just see that there's some, here at the registration desk, we've got um, Alex and other people there, are just, you know, trying to sort out things and some issues and talking to people online as well, so yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible, I mean, what what for you has been the greatest challenge, and what for you has been the highlight? I know that I, I, it's a difficult question. <laughs> that is a very difficult question. I think probably one of the greatest challenges is just making sure that everything runs as smoothly as possible. But I think that's the same for any kind of event mm. management. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody that comes gets the best experience possible. And so that's why we have all of our tech team here at the desk yep. and our invaluable filming crew that have been absolute stars for really the whole great. time. Yeah. They've been so helpful to everyone. We've been getting excellent feedback from them, which I've been passing on, of course. Yeah, wonderful. And one thing you take away? One experience? It's so difficult to say. Yeah. So much <laughs> is going on all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, in my role, I don't always get to go to... Yes. The sessions themselves, but I think I could hear the applause from. Oh, that must be a nice feeling. One of the sessions this morning, yeah, and everyone came out full of so many new ideas. And I think I think that's probably one of the great takeaways from this is that people do come away with new ideas, questions to ask, new perspectives on things. Yes, definitely. To consider, have, yeah. And it's it's just wonderful hearing everybody talk about that what they're taking away and what they're going to use going forward. Yeah, well, thank you so much for all the efforts of yourself, of the team. Uh, and and I've, I've made it very, very clear to everybody that I've been, I've been actually quite emotional these last couple of days, purely and simply because we're now, a lot of us are now back in our element, we're connecting again, and, it, you know, just that. And it's almost been uh, a, release, a, a release valve, a pressure valve has been released for a lot of us, I think, because we're <laughs> able to network in person again. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but thank you, Isabel, for everything you've done, and I just hope the wrap-up uh, goes well, too. Thank you very much. So, everybody, I have managed to nab series season one, episode three guest, David Alcock. How are you doing? I can see you in person now. Um, okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, how's the conference been for you? Uh, it's been very thought-provoking. Uh, lots of new themes to um, contemplate. Um, right, so we've just walked outside, David. Um, and your, your word for coffee and geography was hope, right? Um, what I'm going to ask you is, looking around you, looking outside, seeing all these geography teachers talk to each other, you know, the sun has just come out. What has filled you with hope from this conference? I think, I think there's hope that we can begin to discuss things that before we may have been uh, more wary of discussing in, in the class with our students, and that yeah. we can l listen to the voices too, yeah. um, by the voices, which has inspired me the most so far. Yeah. Well, thank you, David. I'll let you get to your okay. session, and it's thank been you. lovely to see you again. Well, there we go, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed that special episode of Coffee and Geography on location with me uh, trying out my new uh, portable podcasting equipment. There was, you know, some technical issues, a bit of interference here and there, but I think it generally went quite well for my first time. And I just want to say thank you to everybody, everybody who contributed. Um, and even if you weren't recorded, even just the chats and um, and one thing I really loved about the conference myself is that I really do truly feel 
a part of a really great community in the geography teacher community and educators um and it was just so lovely to see some not just wonderful educators and people who have got their young people at heart but just some really good friends as well um if you like what you heard or you weren't able to make the conference or you want to know a little bit more i'll put some links in the description some of the things um, that were presented at the ga conference are available for anyone to listen to and watch like the, the teach meet so please do check all those links out and all the thank yous and everything will also be um, on my website at jogramblings.com uh, we'll be back next week with a regular coffee and geography podcast episode but until then keep jogging thank you so much for listening we hope you had fun if you haven't already done so please subscribe so more stories and experiences can drop into your favorite podcast app if you fancy being a guest or have any feedback follow us on twitter at coffee jog pod and send us a dm or you could email coffee and jog at geogramblings.com until next time keep jogging